are the carers for our neighbors. We are servants in our labor. We are counting well the cost of living for the Hey, Dunker Punks. Thank you so much for tuning in for this week's episode of the show. My name is Emmett Wachowski-Eldred. My pronouns are he, him, his, and I'm one of the regular hosts of the podcast. This week, we are hearing from Brielle Slocum, who is an intern at On Earth Peace. Brielle is joining the show to interview with two people about their experiences of LGBTQ young people in the church. She speaks first with Devin Dixon-Rosario, who is an LGBTQ justice organizing intern for On Earth Peace, and then her friend, Samson Arnold. Both Devin and Samson recently shared their stories in an On Earth Peace newsletter, Love Me Too, which in its first volume shared the stories of young people coming out. With that, I'll hand it over to Brielle. Hello, my name is Brielle Slocum. I'm an intern for On Earth Peace. I work with youth and young adults and I'd really like to thank the Dunker Punk podcast for having me on the show today. At first it took me a while to think of what I wanted to do for the show but after reading a newsletter that my friend put out I realized that God placed it on my heart to speak a little bit more on the acceptance of BIPOC and LGBTQ community in a Christian lens. A co-worker of mine by the name of Devin Dixon Rosario is the LGBTQ communicator for On Earth Peace, and he decided to come out with a newsletter that was more informative of the LGBTQ community. And once he put out and shared his truth and was more vulnerable with his story, it inspired me to continue the work that he's doing by sharing the opportunity and reading his piece, as well as looking at it from, as Christians, how should we be there and how we should be accessible to be able to be present in the lives of many people who feel absent or turned away from in the church. To give a bit of background with the start of my involvement of the LGBTQ community, I was in about fourth grade when I met a few men who identified as gay 
and took part of my life as either an aunt figure towards me or even as a fairy godmother through relationships they shared with my mother. It wasn't until my sixth or seventh grade year until my peers started openly sharing their sexual orientation and protecting their truth, whether that looked like a few friends or maybe a family member or two. The terminology typically used when a member from this community is sharing their story would be referred to as coming out. I would say that over half my friends came out to me before, both females and males. But interesting enough, it wasn't just an average come out story. Friends would come over to my house, typically spend time with me, and maybe come out there because they knew it was a safe space. Either there or through Facebook, sometimes in the gym when we had free time at school. But in recent reflection, my friends or allies didn't come out to me just in confidence or out of comfort, but they came out to me spiritually. They would observe my relationship with the Lord and how much I love the church. And out of an act of deprivation, they wanted to know, I know God loves you but does he love me too? When this would happen, especially the first five times, my eyes would suddenly fill with tears. What do you mean, does he love you too? Of course he would love you. Why wouldn't he? And they would respond, because I'm gay and being gay is a sin and God doesn't like sin. God must have always laid it on my heart to try to explain or relieve them of this pain. So I was often challenged. Well, if he loves me, where does it say it? Where in the Bible does this affirm me and who I am? Why does being gay mean I'm going to hell? For a long time, I didn't know how to answer the question. I had the answer, but evidence. How do you sell God's love? You can use scripture, but there's always going to be a fellow Christian trying to subtract from the omnipotence that the Lord holds. And it's always been a human problem to lack love or compassion, but to sacrifice your son to pay off punishment out of love, why is it that the LGBTQ community or the community of BIPOC people chore to feel less than and have to pray that they can participate in what should be a beautiful thing? Genesis one twenty seven, God created man in his own image. Romans 5, 6 through 7, For while we were still helpless, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will hardly die for a righteous man, 
though perhaps for a good man, someone would dare even to die. I didn't use a Bible index, but before smartphones, it was extremely hard to find the right set of words to share when challenged on the spot. I would use passages like these to say, if you're created in his image, then he would love you. He would be there for you. He'd protect you. And then as I got older, I would even go as far to say, well, if you identify as gay and you're made in his image, then maybe there is just a little bit of that image that we didn't really get to see or wasn't really spoke on or written about. And I would try to beg and beg and try to state a case where he died for our sins. He died for any wrongdoing. Why are you living what to me looks like, I don't know, maybe a mini version of hell by going crazy, believing that you can't love who you want to love, but also be a devoted Christian who loves others and who loves the Lord. Before the part of my story when I try to affirm or confirm with people the love that's still shared and held out for them, growing up, it was a question, even for my own faith, are these people deserving of God's love and people who are serious Christians? And that answer for me very quickly was anyone in the community, especially um, when I was younger, I knew more specifically of people who were gay or lesbian, but very much these are people who have shared strong relationships with the Lord. The hugest piece of confirmation that this community was more than deserving of God's love would be when I was in fifth grade. I knew someone in their later 20s who was very strong about going to church and using his voice to serve and praise the Lord. And oftentimes I would be doing homework or sitting in a living room and he would randomly pass me and he would kind of in a way shout a song that has always stuck with me and very much showed that the Lord was his and no one could take that away from him. And all the time, the lyrics of the song, he would say, if you find anything that's not like you, I ask you, Lord, you know what to do. Teach me, Lord. See me through and through. Take it away from me. And as many times as he had shared and shouted and screamed and praised that song, through the whole time he was asking for those things that wasn't of the Lord to be taken from him, his sexuality always stayed intact. And he was a gay man who loved and praise the Lord. So I have experiences as positive as that. And then I also have experiences 
of someone reaching out to me around high school or beginning of college saying, hey, I see that all of your youth group, for the most part, is part of this community. And you guys look like you have a fun time. How can I be a part of that? So I responded, you can be a part of it by coming by. If you need me to pick you up, if you need me to walk with you, if you would like me to be present in that moment, I can be that for you. I can bring you around. And he confessed to me that he has been kicked out of the Catholic Church with his mother over a few things that was frowned upon and that he wasn't allowed to be gay and that be very much supported. And it hurted me to hear stories like that, but it helped me to see how broken the church is and its efforts of being comforting or being inclusive. I also, oddly, always found the groups that should be closer to God are usually the ones that are hurting the most from the church. And many times people give up on religion or they give up on a place to praise because they're not accepted truly for who they are. That being said, I interviewed with Devin to see a little bit why these matters are important to him as someone who identifies as gay. And I also asked another church member, Samson, who grew up by to kind of share how he changed churches solely off of being accepted and not accepted. What follows this is just a few Q&As with both Devin and Samson um, sitting down with me two different evenings. Welcome, Devin. Thank you for taking the time and hard work that you put into your Love Me Too newsletter, as well as functioning as a safe person for many people to process with. Thank you for having me. I hope many more people can come across your writing, as well as get to share in your story, as well as see your story as an opportunity to then maybe share their unshared stories. Um... I wanted to ask you a few questions as well as give you a free space to share a bit about your newsletter and what it meant to you. So for the first question, I was wondering, how did it feel growing up in a church and what did it look like as you were coming to terms with how you fit in the community? So growing up queer for me was a scary experience and it was equally as scary for me in the church. So the initial fear was a general idea of acceptance. When I came out, I did so with one parent at a time because I couldn't handle the reaction of two at the same time. Um, And my mom responded, it's okay, I love you. And this was like a major weight off my shoulders, but that was only half of the battle for me as a gay Christian. 
So when it came to the church, I held the same fear. The larger fear aside from the congregation was that I didn't know if God was gonna accept me. I always held the idea in my mind that if you were queer, that you'd go to hell. So I had a love for God from a young age, but that love kind of felt like it had an expiration date due to my sexuality. So because of this, I prayed for years that God would take this away from me. I had heard stories of God taking away sin as long as you ask. So the first person I confided in in regards to sexuality was my youth pastor at Harrisburg First Church of the Brethren. Um, so I remember whenever we would have youth group, um, every couple of weeks, we got the opportunity to have open conversations. So we all got a piece of paper and we were able to write down a topic. Um, and then our youth pastor would pick out the topic and we would spend our time talking about it. Um, so I remember distinctly this, this one Sunday evening, um, my sexuality and my queerness was really on my mind. And so I wrote down the topic of homosexuality. Um, and so our youth pastor, he started talking about it. Um, and I was so surprised at his reaction. It was so, it was so genuine. Um, basically he expressed to the group that God knows who we are before we take our first breath. And God forms us beautifully and without mistake. So whether you are gay, straight, black, or white. So I remember also being told that sexuality isn't a choice. And suddenly I felt an extreme pressure leave my chest. So for me, I also remember that Sunday in that moment where you shared that experience with the youth pastor. Mm -hmm. And for me, it really... It really touched me and reconfirmed with me that I wasn't thinking wrong because at times I felt guilty for basically sharing with people that they were still loved because I didn't feel like I knew the Bible enough yeah. to confirm that answer. But how did that allow you to feel more heard in a sense? at church after that experience? So I think for a long time, because of my sexuality, I questioned whether or not I had a seat at the table um, in terms of speaking out really about anything. I didn't know if I had the platform or if I, as a queer person, could really do anything meaningful or say anything meaningful in a church. Um, and so in that moment, I think that really it opened doors for me. I think it allowed me to start to view who I was in the church as a different person. Um, and I think it gave me, it gave me hope. So a little bit after that time, I went on a trip um, with Explore Your Call, um, where I traveled to Bethany Theological Seminary. Um, and I remember that it was my turn to lead a devotion. Um, I really struggled with this um, because although I had had this confirmation from my youth pastor, um, I didn't know the brethren as a whole, how they would react to it. And so in order for me to lead a devotional, I felt that I needed to be completely transparent. And so it, it was that day that I actually came out in front of a group of brethren um, and that, that was liberating. In this time, it was so interesting to me um, because actually after that initial moment, um, I remember that there was, there was a few moments of silence 
um, because everyone in the room, I think, was kind of taken back by what I had to say. Um, and I don't think that they were completely ready to respond to it. But what followed that was the most beautiful thing. Um, everybody in the circle just laid hands on me and we prayed. And I just remember crying because it, it just felt like a huge weight had been lifted off my shoulders. And I think it was in that moment that I realized that I could be loved, not just by God, but people of God, regardless of who I'm attracted to sexually. Thank you for sharing that. Um, I remember being on that trip and sharing that moment with you, but I never really stopped to think what it meant for you in that moment. Mm -hmm. So I'm kind of glad to hear what it was like for you and glad that I could be a part of it. Um, that was about six years ago that we took that trip. Yeah. I'm kind of wondering from that point to now, how do you see yourself using your voice now in the church and how more comfortable are you today than you might have been six years ago? So I think even though I had that experience, which was amazing, and I'll never forget it, um, I still think that it took time um, when I came back to First Church um, to really figure out what all of that meant. Um, and so up until recently, I didn't really, I didn't really know how to use my voice. Um, a couple months ago, I started my internship with On Earth Peace as the LGBTQ plus justice organizer. Um, and I really, I really sat, when I got accepted for the position, I really sat with it and I really thought, what can I do with this position that will make a difference? Not just in my life, but in the lives of others, in the lives of the church. And so I had the idea to do a newsletter um, and I wanted to include stories from all different kinds of people on the queer spectrum. Um, and so I just finally finished this newsletter and I am so excited about it. Um, I hope everyone that's listening has had a chance to look at it. Um, that That is one of the many ways that I am using my voice and want to use my voice. And I want to continue to work with this community, with my community, um, to create a safe space and a home in the Brethren community and at Harrisburg First Church specifically. Yeah, all the work that you're doing is important work. And I'm really glad that you allowed me to share part of that and allow me to be with you in those steps. Mm -hmm. I'm kind of wondering what will it look like in your opinion for allies or for people that are open and affirming in the congregation? What are the best ways we can support LGBTQ mm -hmm. and support BIPOC communities in their transitions of coming to term of who they are in the church? Mm -hmm. So I think something that we already have as a church, I think that the love is already there. I think that the desire to be one big blended community is already there. Um, I feel like the obstacle that we've been running into is being direct with our words. You know, I think that in my experience in churches, um, sometimes we don't use words like gay or transgender or lesbian. We 
we we use other words to cover them up. Um, and I and I think the first the first thing that we can do um, in our community is is start being direct about our words. Is to start using these words um, to really help the queer community feel like we are speaking to them. To feel like we are actually recognizing them and wanting wanting to work alongside them, wanting to be siblings in Christ with them. And how would you like that vision to unfold? I think that my my dream really is for First Church of the Brethren to be known as an open and affirming church. Um, and I think that there's definitely a lot. There's a lot of things that we're going to have to do um, to even think about, to even think about committing to to something that big. Um, but the importance of it is I think that our church especially is missing out on the talents and the gifts and everything that the queer community as a whole has to offer. Um, for me especially, um, I, I would just love for, I've been going to this church since, since I was eight years old. Um, and of course, I feel loved by the church. I feel like the church is part of who I am. I feel like they raised me. Um, and so my dream is, is for me to be able to fully embrace my church and fully embrace my own gifts um, by the church being open and affirming. That's also a dream that I'd like to see happen as well. So I hope that one day I can see it with you. And I'd really like to thank you again for all of your wisdom and your input in this podcast. I feel like it was really meant to be heard by many people. So thanks again. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. To move on to another perspective and another voice, Samson, I asked you to be part of this podcast because I understand that you were part of the evangelical church and um, now you identify with being a member of the Church of the Brethren. And I wanted to know in what ways did you feel the church welcomed you and embraced you for how you identify? It's a difficult question to answer um, because there are members of our church that know my identity and there are members of our church that do not. But the biggest difference was when I talked with the staff of the church or one of the pastors of the church, I should say, um, I talked a lot about the idea of welcoming and the doors of the church and what my viewpoints of when they should be opened and when they should be closed, which um, they should never be closed, but that's my opinion. And um, we had some conversations my senior year of college when I started to get more involved with the Church of the Brethren. And um, we had a really good conversation about like pronouns related to God and um, how God viewed the uh, like homosexual lifestyle and um, one of the pastors had sent a letter a formal letter that was sent 
um, to like the church board or to the pastoral staff that basically like said the congregation was supporting and supportive and um, okay with pastors having the decision making power to decide their own involvement. And for me, that was really huge because in the evangelical denomination, um, you can't be gay. And they didn't say that church members couldn't be gay specifically. Like they couldn't be, they weren't like, you can't come to this church if you're gay. But they talked about the scriptural support that's typically used to denounce gay people. And um, it wasn't a safe place to be. And I grew up with my grandparents who are super evangelical. And my sister, my oldest sister came out as pansexual in 2012, which ahead of her time she was. And um, when she came out, my grandmother's first response was, you're going to hell. So my sister left and it became this whole thing. And my grandma was constantly concerned that people viewed me as gay and da 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 And for me, I didn't really care what anybody thought. I still don't really care what anybody thinks um, just because I think being authentically yourself is important. And um, we had this one family meeting and my grandma was like, Sam, you have your head screwed on straight and you're not gay. And I was like, well, actually, <laughs> I am. And their initial response was to call the pastor, almost like a 911 call. Um, and luckily, I had my own relationship with God at that time. So when my pastor came over, I didn't really hear anything he said. Like, actually, to this day, I have no idea what he said to me. Because um, as he was talking to me, I just went into my head and had my own conversation with God. And it was a really spiritual moment because I just like felt really loved by God in that moment. I wasn't told that I was this like abomination of a being or I made this like ridiculously sinful decision by acknowledging who I was. The only thing that was really difficult after that is even though I had that really spiritual moment my family was not a safe place for me to be myself. So I went back to my boarding school at the time and spoke to the person that I was in like relations with that uh, I couldn't be gay and that I wasn't gonna talk about it anymore. And then I just like closed that part of myself and didn't pay any attention to it. Um, for the most part, still struggled in some moments. Um, so even though I had that spiritual moment, I started to have a lot of back and forth of like knowing that I was loved by God, but calling myself disgusting because of the family that I grew up in and the viewpoint that they held. And it wasn't until college where I had full spiritual and like physical freedom from my family that I was able to like fully embraced who I was and still remember the day during my sophomore year of college when I was honest with myself and gave myself the like permission to be who I was and the peace that I felt after that was just really crazy um, 
and I had a lot of joy from getting to be my authentic self. And I'm not a person who wears my queer identity as like a billboard necessarily. Um, and I don't mean that in like a disrespectful way at all. I think every single person showcases how they identify in, a, in different ways. And I am someone who chooses to share my identity when I wish to share it. Um, it's not that hard for people to tell I'm queer though, cause they say I act like it, so. Um. So do you feel like you are becoming to be seen in the church, like people can see you for yourself? I think I am authentically myself, whether or not people know who that self is, like all of the dimensions of that self, I would say probably not. There are a group of people who know who I am and then there are a group of people who don't know all of the pieces of who I am. Thanks for sharing your story. What would you like the church to look like in the later future regarding these matters? Yeah, so I think I would like to see the church to have more symbolism that would tell a queer person that they can be queer in that space. They don't necessarily have to speak the fact that they're queer, but they're allowed to be themselves in that space. So like, for example, recently before the wall started to get repaired, there is this like light blue felt cloud kind of cross situation thing going on and it has rainbow stitching mm -hmm. and that um, like, yes, the rainbow is a covenant between God and his people, but it's also a really big image among the community. And to see it uh, is important for a queer person because it says that that space, there are individuals in that space that are safe for that person. So even if not every single person in that space is safe, they know that they can exist there. They might not necessarily speak yet until they figure out who is safe, but they can exist. And I would like to see more of that and conversation that pushes people to kind of reimagine what that love looks like and um, honesty about the dialogue that's in the Bible and the scripture that's in the Bible and the like um, literalness of it and the context because a lot of people don't look into the meanings behind a lot of the text that's used. And I think that it's important that they do and that they, um, like pastoral staff and church leaders, um, really spark that conversation or that idea of being able to think furthermore into it. Thank you. objective of this podcast was to highlight a few perspectives of church life as it comes up in the community. People from BIPOC and LGBTQ communities feel as if they want to be loved too, or as in addition to, but Jesus didn't die first for white men and then everybody else. That is not the case. As a church, 
or on a more personal level as Christians, we all need to be called to love everyone first and not two. I urge you, if you don't know any people who identify differently, whether that is in the LGBTQ community or even by race or by gender, um, please get to do that and accept their story and their journey and enable them to have the voice and the will of wanting to serve and radically change the church. And this all starts by simply being inclusive and not speaking over others, but allowing people to be seen. Love me too. Hear me too. See me too. Thank you so much, Devin and Samson, for sharing your stories and Brielle for making that possible. As you said at the beginning, creating space for the sharing of our stories with vulnerability and openness and truth can do nothing but open us to a wider vision of who God is and who God loves. There are two contrasting stories that stand out to me from this conversation that we just heard. First, we heard Devin's story of what it meant for his identity as a bisexual person to be received from his church community with love and affirmation. That feeling of an extreme pressure off his chest, as he put it, when his youth pastor greeted a question about sexual orientation with themes of God's love. The huge swelling of emotions in coming out at Explore Your Call and having that group love and embrace him and nothing else. And then there's Samson's story who, when he came out to his grandparents, called his pastor, as he put it, like they were calling the police. Then when the pastor arrived, he couldn't even hear the words that the man spoke, prompting him eventually to leave his faith community and find one that deserved him. And really there's a third story that I want to mention, which is the story of Brielle, being a safe enough person that people, even from a pretty young age, felt comfortable to come out to her, and who lived up to that sacred responsibility that was bestowed by them and by God upon her, as she put it, to relieve people's pain and affirm for them that God not only loved them as they are, but indeed created them that way in God's own image, no less, meaning that that piece of them was itself a piece of God. I can hear in Brielle's story the act of faith formation itself, that with each successive chance to be that person reflecting God's love onto others, she grew more rooted in her own faith, more secure in how that love shines upon her as well more certain in what it means to be a disciple of Christ in a time when so many Christians inflict so much harm on people. What kind of a church do we want to be? Like the one who helped Devin feel secure in his knowledge that as he put it, God knows who we are and God knows us beautifully and that we are without mistake. 
or like the church that Samson had to leave behind. It seems like so many of us in the church have succumbed to the temptation to be the gatekeepers of God's love, to guard jealously the precious gift of being loved wholly and completely by God as if it is something that will run out instead of something that multiplies the more people it reaches. Like Peter at Pentecost, we have to ask ourselves, who are we to think that we can stand in God's way? That's why I'm so grateful to Brielle for showing us how to not be in God's way, but instead to walk with people through the many hells that they put themselves in, or let's be honest, that the church so often tries to damn them to, so that we can come through that and into God's unconditional and unending embrace, fully as they are, which is to say, fully as they were created, which is to say, fully as God is as well. Thanks again for listening. The Dunker Punks podcast is a bunch of people from across the Church of the Brethren who want nothing more than to tear down every single gate that the church has tried to build around God. This episode was created by Jacob Krause, who creates our music and edits the show, Suzanne Lay, who manages production, and the Arlington Church of the Brethren and On Earth Peace, who sponsored the show. Our audio contributor this week was Brielle Slocum, and my name is Emmett Wachowski Eldred. I'm one of the hosts. Find us online at arlingtoncob.org dpp and on Apple Podcasts where you can subscribe and leave a comment. Find and follow us on social media at DunkerPunksPod and email us at dpp at arlingtoncob.org. Lastly, there are a lot of really great ways for you to get involved with the podcast. You can sign up for our newsletter on our website and you can consider donating at bit.ly dpp underscore donor. Contributions go towards honoring the time and effort of our mostly young adult contributors to live into our commitment of honoring young adult voices. Thanks again so much for listening, and we hope you'll tune in next time. Our next episode airs on Saturday, June 4th. We'll see you then.